Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Surge Strength Podcast. Hope you're doing well. If you missed our bonus episode just a few days ago announcing a new free tool that we have, make sure you check it out. It's gradeyourdryland.com. Just go over there, answer a few questions about your current dryland program, and we will give you tips and ways to then improve it, maybe help you if you feel like you're stuck in your particular dryland program, you need some new ideas new workouts, new programming, whatever the case may be, maybe even what equipment to buy. Go to gradeyourdryland.com, fill out the quick form and get more information so that you can then turn your dryland program into even better results and see them in the pool. So check it out. If you haven't already, we're really excited about it and looking forward to hearing the feedback and how it's helping coaches and swimmers assess their dryland program and then make changes to it. Speaking of dryland programs, I mean, dryland workouts and specifically riding workouts is a big part of that. And I know on the one hand, it can be really exciting to sit down and envision what's this workout going to look like, the the group of athletes you're working with, the equipment, the time of year, all these things to then put together. Then on the other hand, it can feel very overwhelming at times too. And so what I would remind you guys to do is as much as you can use a checklist and I'm going to read off real fast the checklist uh, that we give as part of the curriculum for the surge strength dryland certification and feel free to jot these down and make sure you look at them every time you're writing a dryland workout for the day. Now we have checklists for the season plan, weekly plan, and even taper plan. But for just right now, I'm just going to read real fast the session plan. So that would be the individual workout for that day. So here are the things that you need to know in order to have a great dryland workout at the end of your workout writing process. So number one, you need to know the type of dryland training session. What phase are you in? You need to know what that dryland session's priority is in the overall week's plan. Then you need to know, are you doing this dryland session before or after, or maybe a standalone training session? So either before or after swimming, or is it all by itself? How much time do you have in that dryland session? The number of athletes you're working with in that session, the space that you have for that dryland session, what equipment do you have access to? And after you have then put together your workout, double check, are your ratios balanced specifically push-pull, squat hinge. So that's the checklist that we give those coaches that are working their way through to become SSDC. Start putting it to use. Hopefully that's going to help you a little bit. And on the inside, the Surge Strength Academy section of the podcast, we're actually going to be talking through examples of age group workouts. Now, again, there's going to be some video components to this in terms of where we pulled the audio from. It's part of a lesson in the SSDC curriculum. So if I refer to anything on the screen, that's why. But I think it'll help spur up some ideas of how to write workouts. And then at the end, in the dryland talk segment, you're going to listen into a conversation I had with Kareen Bullock, who has just recently earned her SSDC. And she works with swimmers up in Alaska 
on their dryland training and she talked about her just excitement for the workouts and some fresh new ideas that she got as she was becoming SSDC. So great episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. Age group dryland session examples is what I'm going to be talking about in this lesson. So just to recap, for the most part, I treated the college dryland examples as level three, high school as level two, and I'm treating the age group as level one. That's not to say that all your age groupers are going to be level ones. You're probably going to have some level threes, frankly, um, but just as a general example. So just know that's not a hard and fast rule by any means. So I use the standard warm-ups in terms of the static dynamic function part of these workouts here. You can always also individualize it by the results of the assessment and the testing that you took your athletes through. So for this strength phase, you can see that A, there's, there's a lot less than what we saw in the high school and college. And that's number one, I wanted to basically simulate, okay, if I'm thinking about age group, usually those dryland sessions are shorter too. So I did this in the thought process of they only have 30 minutes to get this in versus probably an hour with high school and college dryland sessions. So that's the first thing that should jump out to you is how much shorter these dryland sessions are. So again, not that level one means it needs to be shorter and level threes can be the longest, but just saying in general, your age group swimmers are probably going to have less dryland time than the college and high school swimmers. So you can see too, a lot of these are level ones exercises, pretty much all of them as I'm going down through here. Um, and nothing really is jumping out to me that I needed to point out. In particular, I think it's pretty self-explanatory at this point, especially if you've watched the college and high school examples so far on this. Um, so we're going to go to the strength power. So what I will say is with age groupers, you can see that it's not a, a true almost strength power phase, if I could say that. So like the sumo squat hold and the hinge greasing, those are different movements. You should know that one's a squat, one's the hinge. But for me, just trying to be able to put this together in the, the short amount of time, and I'm trying to think through, I'm not using a lot of equipment on purpose because I know probably most age groups aren't uh, able to have the equipment that a college or high school had. So I'm just trying to use these other variables that a lot of you coaches are probably having to work through uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's not perfect, but it's good enough in that I'm thinking through the the ratios at least somewhat, right? Like I have one hinge, I do have one squat, even though for the strength power, it should be the same strength power movements, squat, squat, hinge, hinge. So it's not ideal, but it's still getting in there. Um, and there is some element of some, some power, some strength in here. Like even the circuit number two here, you can see I decided, okay, well, if they do have medicine balls, what's kind of a three exercise circuit I could put together where there is, there is some power and strength element that I'm going back and forth. And again, these are just age groupers. As long as we have some structured dryland, that's okay. We're setting them up for future success and playing the long game here. So it doesn't have to be exactly to a T, especially when we're working with younger kids and following the phases, just if you give them some introduction to it. So by the time they do go to that senior level group or the first time they're really in a weight room, it's not completely foreign to them. That's all you're really looking to do at the age group level. So you can see the power here. Again, a lot of these exercises are level one. Um, I'm giving them 30 seconds rest, but then two minutes of rest at the end of the circuit, just to make sure they're able to keep that power. And we probably do some stretching with the age groupers um, at the end of that two minutes 
while they're resting just to make sure they're not getting too crazy and that they actually do take some rest. So maybe we do some more shoulder mobility together or the wall angels or uh, the lat stretch, anything like that would be a good option. So I'm not sure there's much more I need to comment on this particular workout as I'm looking through it. And then the last one, function brace, all the other workouts were relatively short. This one is in that same vein as well, it's about 15 to 30 minutes is gonna take. But I'm thinking this would be a great one for just before we get in the water, go some mobility here, then do a little core. We don't basically have to do that 400 warm up in the pool. Now we're warmed up, we're ready to go. We could hit kicking, main set, pulling, whatever we have on track for that day. So um, as I'm looking through it, I don't think anything else is jumping out that I wanted to necessarily bring to attention again. Pretty simple if you want to look at these exercises more, either revisit module two and or go to the YouTube channel and look up any of these exercises to get specific coaching on them. So that does it again for this age group uh, dryland session examples. Make sure you've watched all of them, even if you aren't coaching college or high school, to be able to have the bigger picture and to know either where your athlete's going or where they're coming from. And again, in general, level one, two, three is how I kind of put it across these three different ages, but that's not to say that's going to be the case with all the athletes you deal with. So that does it for this lesson. Dryland Talk. Kareen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Awesome. And you're joining us from where right now? Juneau, Alaska. Awesome. You're staying warm Way up there, up right? <laughs> well, it's no, it's cold. It's been a cold winter, so we're ready for spring. I'm assuming there's no outdoor pools there. Is no, that- <laughs> um, there might be up in the Anchorage area, not in Juneau. Um, partly, well, we just don't get that enough enough warm weather, but also um, it's just not that big of a town, I think, to... We do have two pools for our small oh, that's town, impressive. so that's, that's awesome. two indoor pools. Yeah, that's awesome. So, tell us a little bit about your team, the the size of it, how many coaches, you know, level of athletes, whatever you want to use to describe that. Give people a picture of where we're coming at. Yeah, so um, I'm part of the Glacier Swim Club, um, based. It's it's just includes Juno swimmers, and um, there are gosh, there's quite a few coaches that sort of come and go depending on the t- the time of the season, but. Uh, the main fundamental group, there's probably, we've got the one head coach and then one, two, three, four assistant swim coaches. Mm. And then I am the, um, basically the head dryland coach, strength and conditioning coach. Uh, so we have swimmers from all age groups, all the way from, um, the, the, little, little kids, we call it pre-comp. They don't do dry land, but then, um, leading up from there, we've got, uh, you know, the elementary school level, middle school level, high school level. Um, so we have, we work with the whole, whole gamut of, of age groups, which is awesome. That's awesome. So have you been, uh, coaching there a a long time or have you been at other clubs as well? You know, this is the first, um, part of a swim club that I've been a coach at. And, mm. um, I've so, and I'm, you know, as far as the swim, the glacier swim club has been around for many, many, many years. So I'm one of the newer additions. I've been with them now for gosh, I was trying to think the exact year I started. It's probably four or five years now Okay, I've been working with them. So I came in pretty green because I'd been uh, more working with adults, hadn't worked with kids before. Oh, and interesting. I am, I am a 100% convert. I, I far prefer working with kids now than I do with adults. Nothing against adults, but kids are far more rewarding, I find. 
That's awesome. So especially when you first started coaching here with this club in in the green sense that you kind of describe yourself as a coach, what did Dryland mean to you? What did that look like when you first started coaching? So um, I felt like I was on a really steep learning curve. So I Mm. came from a CrossFit background. So as far as what I was doing myself, I am a certified personal trainer. So I do have the basics in strength and conditioning as far as that goes. But yeah. I came in more with the, um, so Scott approached me, he's the head coach and we had done CrossFit together and he's like, Hey, you have this great, you know, base, this great knowledge. I've also been a massage therapist for 20 years. So I, so you you got a lot of experience with the body and stuff. I know the body well. (laughs) And so, you know, so I had a great basic that way. And I focused a lot on like mobility work back then too. And so he thought that was a great, but I, I sort of scary for me to say this on a podcast, but I knew nothing about swimming. I am not Mm. a swimmer. I, I cannot drown. I know how to not drown when I'm in water, but I don't have a swimming background. So it was two things, learning how to work with kids and be able to communicate and make something that was fun for them to come Mm. to. And how do I train their bodies in a way that's going to help them in the pool? So, um, I definitely have, grown as a coach Mm. big time. As far as swimming goes, the, I came into it just doing basically high intensity interval training. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. I look back on that. I'm like, Hey, it did some benefits and we got some good things. We also It sounds like that's what you knew, right? So you're like, all right, I'm going to stick, stick in my lane. What I know here. Yeah. And it kind of seemed like fun, switch it up, you know, different things for the kids. They weren't always doing the same thing. Um, one thing that I was and continue to be confident at is good um, efficient body movement. So, Mm. you know, good quality squats, good quality, good quality pull-ups. So I always knew, I always kept that as a real basic ground rule. Like if you can't do these properly, this is where we're going to stay kind of thing. But as far as really knowing how to train swimmers, I was, I was really fresh and green. So, um, but it, they had fun for those first few years. And I still have some of those kids that are now, you know, in their senior year of high school and they've come a long way and we've definitely changed the program, but it, um, and I can definitely understand swimming much better now than I did back then for sure. (laughs) So this is, this is fascinating. You, you come into this coaching with a lot of, a lot more expertise than I think a lot of coaches when they start their career with the body, you know, manual therapist, all this other things that you can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious in, in the last few years, where's, what's been the biggest growth in your swimming specific knowledge that you would say, man, I'm a lot better at this than when I first started. Um, so gosh, that's a good question. I think it's understanding, um, the different strokes, Mm. uh, and what, what mobility is needed for those strokes you know, the different types of kicking, uh, the different types of pulling, what mobility you need, and then what exercises can we incorporate that is actually going to target those strong to make those strokes stronger. Um, so that, you know, like I said, the mobility part of it, I had that down. I knew what it needed, you know, in order to get into a good overhead position, yeah. in order to get into, you know, streamline. Like it, it wasn't, even though I didn't know what streamline was when I learned it, I'm like, 
oh, that's just a great overhead yeah. position. Like that's easy. We <laughs> so, you know, but understanding that these are, you know, flip turns and pushing off the wall mm. and starting off the blocks and those explosive movements. And, um, you know, so understanding that and then being able to incorporate those into, you know, box jumps or power squats, jump squats, things like that to just sort of, and then, and then I felt like I could say to the kids, like, look, you don't like doing these, but you know where this helps you is with mm. X, Y, Z when you're in the pool. And then you kind of see them go like, oh, okay, this is why we're doing this stuff that I don't really like. <laughs> yeah. What then, as you're starting to learn the sport more, because you're right, it's just a big learning curve sometimes, especially if you don't have a lot of experience as a swimmer, even if you do know the body really well, it's still a very unique sport, has a lot of different intricacies. What about the dry land or the way you're approaching dry land has changed over the years as you're starting to learn more about the sport of swimming? Well, to be completely honest, I think my, okay, well, two things before I started doing your program, I had decided that with my older kids, so with my high school kids, we were going to focus 80% on strength. Mm. So we actually did, we, I got um, access to a great couple of gyms here where we could actually use barbells and dumbbells. And just, we started off with like the five by five, that classic five by five training, the basic lifts. We got into doing a little bit of, um, power cleans, barbell power cleans. Um, because with my CrossFit background, I felt confident I could coach those movements and kids are just a lot more, they pick things up faster. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, with the, with, so that was my, that's how my focus changed with the older kids. I kind of saw like they're, they're getting all their technique work at the pool. Now I just want to get them stronger, Mm -hmm. um, with the age group kids. I, I didn't change things up as much as we, but I did want to have more strength. I I just Mm -hmm. decided that strength needed to be a priority. So instead of just doing like, AMRAPs, um, and timed workouts, we would always do a, a pull-up section before we started. And then a push-up section before we started the next dry land in a squat section. And then we had them doing, you know, overhead squats with weighted PVCs and, mm-hmm. um, things like that, just because I felt like strength was a big factor missing out of, out of their training, because you can't get that in the pool, obviously, because, well, here in water. Um, so that, that's where my focus changed based on what I saw. They, in my mind, before I started your course, um, since doing your course, I have learned, and this is actually a big relief for me because it can open up more time, mm-hmm. leave the conditioning for the pool workouts mm. and focus more on technique, mobility, core strength, and overall strength. And so that has actually been these last probably three, two, three months since working through your program, how I sort of redirected. And now my kids' brains are blowing up. They're like, well, now we're doing something different again. I was like, well, that's okay. This is fun. It's new and different. Um, but I've, I've set aside and plus with COVID we're working out in masks and doing conditioning yeah. with masks. Yeah. It's like, Not I just fun. felt, I felt mean because we can't be outside. <laughs> you know? So, um, so they're happy. They're not doing as many burpees and they're not running as much and all that stuff. But so we're focusing yeah. more on strength, single arm technique uh, or single limb, you know, single arm <laughs> movement, single leg movement, yeah. things like that. Did that Karine, answer wanna, that question? Yeah, no, Karina, I want to commend you as a coach. Like early on, I appreciate that you stayed in your lane in terms of you're like, okay, what do I know? I know how to coach this. I know, you know, the five by five power cleans, everything that, 
I think that's more important for coaches to realize, like whatever, you know, your skill set, do that really well. And then expand from there and not say, Hey, I'm going to try this thing way over here and see how it goes. Because a lot of times, especially on land, I feel like it's so much easier to get injured that the chances just go so much up. So I appreciate that about you that you're saying, okay, what do I know? I know this, I see this lacking as I start to learn the sport and now I'm going to implement it. And then from there, you know, you can continue to expand your knowledge. So good job by you. And I hope other coaches listening kind of think through, well, what does that mean for me? Like make sure you're coaching what you know, and then it's okay to expand, but don't, don't go way over in left field until you're able to actually back up and keep the kids safe and get them results with what they're doing. Yeah. And safe is safe is key. And I I do appreciate that you touched on that a lot in your program, that it is far easier to get injured in dry land than in the pool. And 90% of that, in my opinion, is just poor, poor movement and Mm -hmm. advancing too fast too soon. And so if you can dial that back a bit and just get good mobility and good movement, then your, your foundation. And that's where I have an advantage because I start working with these kids when they're in elementary school Mm -hmm. and we're just doing very basic like squats and sure we can do some deadlifts, but it's with like a little sand bell sandbag, you know, Mm -hmm. that we have. And so it's, you know, if you get that basics when they're that young, then when they get up and start moving real weights, they've already got the foundation. Maybe not all coaches have that advantage of starting them so young. Absolutely. I want to go back to when you're first, as you're learning the sport and then you're deciding, okay, now I'm, I'm going to have access to this gym. I'm going to be able to go implement some programs, especially for the older kids. What was in your coaching eye that you saw, man, they're really deficient in strength. And so I'm going to focus on this. What's a practical thing that other coaches can maybe relate to that you were seeing on a regular basis? Um, I'm always blown away by how poor basic air squat form is. Right. I mean, you think about it, we sit down in a chair and get up a million times a day, but you take that away from a kid and they can't, or even an adult for that matter, but you can't, you can't keep your heels down or you can't keep your knees from going 10 feet in front of your toes, or you can't keep, you know, part of it's mobility, but part of it is just lack of body awareness. So I think that was getting the mind body connection for these kids. Um, And then, and then you throw in weight. And so suddenly their center of gravity is all thrown off and then you kind of start over again. But just like the squat for me, is like, I, I look at, I guess I'm so proud of my kids, but I look at like my seniors right now and I know where they were four years Mm, ago. It's like, if you could see yourself and how you used to squat, just that, if kids can learn how to squat properly alone, I'm happy. It's <laughs> you know, like, but I, yeah, just that the fundamental movements were, were to me just what really needed the, the most work and then strength can come mm-hmm. from there. Uh, yeah. I, I love the point you made too, about in four years, if, if you're even halfway on the right track, the amount of change that can happen from freshman to senior year and, and, and then again, even just implementing stuff, it's going to start to click with the kids a lot mm-hmm. faster than adults. And you've probably seen that, especially with working with both populations. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it happens and kids want to get better. Whereas mm. with adults, they're just like, no, I got this. I've been doing this for years. I know what's going on. You know, again, nothing against adults, but they're just like, we're set in our ways and kids don't really know the difference. So you say, Hey, let's try this. Let's try sitting back and doing this a little bit differently. And they're like, okay. <laughs> like they don't ask why they, right. they just, okay. 
Have you found your coaching style change since you've gone from exclusively, it sounds like adults to now working with just kids exclusively? Um, you know, not really so much aside of learning how to communicate, communicate with kids, especially Mm -hmm. younger kids and with the younger kids to me, it's more like trying to keep it fun so that they Mm want to keep coming. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it, but I know sometimes I, my older athletes, my adult athletes didn't love it. I'm a stickler for form and mm, I will yeah. take your weight away if you can't do it. <laughs> like I just will. Cause I don't want to hurt you. And I want to great. See. I will take your weight. <laughs> you got to earn the weight. <laughs> you have to earn your weight and I'll have kids come in and I see them like throwing 135 pounds on their deadlift bar. And I was like, what did you do last week? 95. I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's talk. So no. So as far as that goes, I'm a huge stickler for, for good movement. Um, mm-hmm. I encourage kids to go heavier if they're moving well, but I did that with adults too. And if you're not moving well, I just, you have to back down. Like you can't, I won't yeah. take, so that doesn't really change. I didn't have to think about it being as fun when I was coaching adults because I knew they were there because they wanted to be there mm. with the kids, especially the age groupers and the, like the younger age groupers. I. I really try and focus on fun because Mm. I want them to want to come back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the kids, even if they, especially I could picture boys, you know, the one that tried to up it by 45,000, I'm sure they're going to roll their eyes a little bit, but at the same time, they probably will respect that. And then that will make them be like, okay, I really got to pay attention to this because yeah. coach isn't going to let me get away with it. And so I, I need to actually improve. My I am time. watching. I might be over <laughs> here helping someone else, but I'm watching. <laughs> Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your trial and IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.